Welcome to the very, very first episode of That's So Gallifrey with me, Simon. And me, Marcus. Hi. Hello. It's very exciting, isn't it? It is. Uh, We have gathered here today because we both love Doctor Who. Obviously. And if you're listening, we assume you do too. Yeah, I mean, it would just be obvious. <laughs> so whether, like me, you've loved Doctor Who for years, or like Marcus, you got into it with New Who and you've mm. not a chance to go back, we are going to go back to the very beginning, 1963, An Unearthly Child, and cover every story that's available yeah. each week, basically. So we'll get started with episode one, well, first serial, An Unearthly Child. So yeah, very exciting. Um sitting down to watch it for the very first time mm. uh, i've seen it a few times i don't think you have have you no uh, i i obviously knew of it i knew that it existed um but as you mentioned earlier uh i've only ever been a new who person mm. that being said i remember my dad when i was a kid long before new who came along helping me make a dalek costume amazing uh, with a plunger and well actually it wasn't a plunger i used it, it tells you a lot about my my parents a uh, cider bottle. <laughs> at the top of the cider bottle, and obviously the, the mouthpiece of the of the mm. bottle looked like a plunger when you put it on a stick. Oh, brilliant! Uh, so he helped me make a costume. He also helped me off, completely off topic, but he helped me make a postman pat van that I could put over my myself with dungarees before. Cute. So uh, yeah, creativity's always been there. Um, but yes, uh, sitting down to watch it for the very first time was quite exciting. Uh, very difficult to see on the screen. Mm. The filming of the time didn't really help with it. <laughs> the darkness the of it all. stuff. But... but there's just something about that policeman coming out of the mist and sort of walking around and you see the gates of the scrapyard and then the, the gate just magically opens and it goes in and it's this really long shot. Yeah. With it's the, very with the, long. With Ron Granger's uh-huh. theme tune And then tune it just, the it kind of just like lingers on the TARDIS in the, in the scrapyard and you're like, this is different yeah because it goes from that and it just goes into like kind of fades into this school and it's all modern well you'd say modern for the time but they were all, like you said they were all dressed like old people the kid <laughs> they're supposed to be pupils in school they're dressed like flipping 40 odd year old women men <laughs> i think that's maybe like because we're looking back on it yeah. though and maybe at the time that would that would have been fashionable well, can you imagine it's like 60 odd years from from now people looking back going uh-huh. what on earth are they wearing i know right um I always thought school uniforms would have been a thing then, but mm. I wonder when school uniforms came in. I don't know. Because they're timeless one. to me, school uniforms, especially if you've got a school that is blazer. Yeah. Uh, blazer and tie uh, rather than like a sweatshirt. But yeah, just, <laughs> just getting on the topic of fashion. <laughs> but it's interesting because obviously the doctor has always been quirky, so he kind of yeah. just feels like he belongs uh, I mean, anywhere. We will come back to his fashion later on when we get to the scene with the Doctor, I think. Yes. Okay, okay. I'm getting ahead yeah, of ourselves. we're getting ahead of ourselves. So, yes, at the minute, we're, the first part is obviously meeting Susan. No, it's Ian oh, and Barbara. Ian and Barbara first, concerned about, about Susan. Susan. Uh, and obviously, as teachers do, worrying about their students, probably more so mm-hmm. than nowadays, but let's not get political. Because she's very, very advanced, and they're like, where's she getting it from? Like, how does she know this stuff? She's really weird. Um how's a home life basically and then they do the most like they they, they end up talking to susan i think did they talk to susan yeah 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 and then oh the, yeah because when we first meet susan she's got that like they music go in to and see she's susan like, and she's like being all she's hippie waving her arms hippie dippy with the like, music just like proper like loving her life yeah. and it's like she's like yeah i'm loving this 
what uh, one thing I will quickly mention it obviously it shows you shots of her in school being smart being a smart aleck really and questioning mm. the teaching and stuff and she starts talking about the decimal system yes which obviously at the time when this was filmed there was no decimal system in england uh and it obviously later on came it's like it's almost like the <laughs> simpsons predicting things yeah <laughs> i think doctor who and sci-fi always did though star trek's done that a lot as well but doctor who was just so funny so yeah ian and barbara concerned about um susan and it's just so weird. It's just something that you would not do. It's like a safeguarding issue completely. <laughs> like, let's follow her home. Like, yeah, so they stalk. Her grandfather Susan. doesn't like. Uh, <laughs> her grandfather doesn't like strangers. But he's a doctor. That's silly. Yeah, like, let's follow her anyway and sit in the car. Like they'd get arrested nowadays. Yeah, and then um, Susan Barb. Is it Barbara? She's like, I've, I've not seen her. And Ian's like, let's just hope she's found a boy. Or is it the other way around? I can't remember. Oh, I can't. Remember. Maybe I just, she went in there with a boy, and it was like they're just hoping <laughs> that she's gone in there with some random guy. It's like that's probably not good. No. <laughs> so then they head into Tata's yard, and it's so dark in there mm. uh, and really eerie. And you can just about make them out on the screen. I tell you, it, I've been watching some clips back again uh, on the computer screen, much better than watching on a television. Yeah. Seems to be a lot brighter. Uh, and they're looking around, uh, and then they, they find the box, they find the TARDIS, which just looks quite unassuming because it's from their time. Mm -hmm. uh, just looks like any other one on the street. Um, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> Uh, we're on about Ian. Yeah. When Ian, Ian, well, I must hear, we can slightly like hear he a faint whir. A, a whir or something, doesn't he? Yeah. And then, uh, and then Ian, um, he just touches it. Ian touches it and, um, straight away, no questioning. And he goes, it's alive. <laughs> like Frankenstein. Barbara's like, not even bothered. Barbara's like, what am I even doing here? And then, obviously, William Hartnell appears, and he's just being proper sassy, and he's wearing his little camp scarf and his, his cute little hat. And then he comes out, and he's like, hmm? Like Audrey of, of Coronation Street. Well, I think Audrey of Coronation Street took the inspiration from Probably. Uh, William Hartnell. Uh, just have a listen. And you know what the worst thing is? Hmm? What does that make me? Hmm? So what do you suggest? <laughs> hmm? What about my heart, Gail? Hmm? Why can't you be like this all the time? Hmm? 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 Oh, Audrey. Hartnell's era is just the hmm era. <laughs> like, there's just so much of it. It's brilliant. But yeah, um, he tries to scare Ian and Barbara, doesn't he? Because they're trying to sort of like find out where Susan is. And he's trying yeah. to scare them away. <laughs> and then Barbara just fully runs into the TARDIS because she hears Susan's voice. Yeah. Uh, but... Like, in all seriousness, that is a beautiful moment. When you first step inside the, yeah. the TARDIS, yeah. And you get that transition from, like, the dark, dingy scrapyard into this big, bright spaceship. With that, and it's, but, that mm. uh -huh. And it's just such a contrast. It's absolutely amazing. Mm. And it, I just think that the way in which they kind of react... Yeah. Kind of almost felt like it was the other way around. Uh, I f Barbara was just like not bothered at all she was more I suppose maybe if you think about it in a different way it's right she was more focused on Susan yeah she was worried about Susan wanted to make sure Susan was alright whereas Ian who obviously is very scientific and it's alive uh, obviously couldn't comprehend the fact that he walked into something bigger than it yeah. was on the outside 
but I walked around it. <laughs> it's like, hun, you said it's alive. Why can't you accept that? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a shame so we didn't funny. get that it's bigger on the inside in yeah. that first time. Obviously, it's something that developed later on. Mm. And then uh, the, the other thing that we noticed as well was Hartnell seems to do a lot of little asides to camera. It's he, really He strange. thinks he's Deadpool. Yeah. It's um, like when he's talking about the TARDIS, it's just like, you just don't understand. But he like looks into your soul as he says it. It's, it's really sinister. Mm. Yeah. It, it, that first time he does it is almost like he's talking down to us like, mm. the, like the other humans who are there. Uh, he does it later on. Uh, when um, he's winding them, he's trying to get them to do something. I can't remember if it's... Yeah. Was it in this episode or was it the next one? It might have been a bit further on, but there is another point where he does it. I think it was... Because um, we've we've obviously watched more than an earthly child so far. Yeah. We've got through episode two, but obviously more on that next we week. We haven't finished it yet. Yeah. Um, but I think it was in that where he, he tricks them into thinking yes, that the TARDIS is broken, sorry. so they have to stay and go to and the he city. Looks, he looks at the camera to go, I yeah. got them. You know I did this. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's between you and me. But uh, but yeah. yeah. Like he does have his funny side, but then he has, obviously has his really problematic side as well. Well, he's a grumpy so-and-so. And, and at this point, he doesn't really like humans. Mm. Um, Susan's the one who has the fascination with yeah. humans, hence why she's got them to stay here for so long and she's gone to school. He just wants to be this hermit who lives in the TARDIS and mm. doesn't see anybody and... Um, the humans are obviously the people who have the, hu- which is still the case with the new companions and new yeah. who there's always this kind of, um, they, they bring the, sometimes the doctor can get a bit lost in themselves mm. and, uh, and become quite arrogant or care, um, like doesn't care about the situation and doesn't think about the seriousness. And it's the, t- it's the companion who brings it back. Yeah. Uh, but this doctor is very much the grumpy old man who, we don't know anything really about yet. We don't know. Yeah. We assume he's an alien, but we don't know he's an alien. Like, could he, could he be, just be a human a from the future yeah. who's traveled back? We don't know anything about that yet. Mm-hmm. And we just think he's a grumpy old man who would rather be by himself. Yeah. And I think obviously we we obviously learn more about him when it comes to New Who. And when, when David Bradley appeared as the first Doctor in Twice Upon a Time, people were going mad because like... He was portrayed as racist, sexist and all that. But in this, he was racist. Mm-hmm. He turns around, he goes on about the Red Indians with their savage minds. And it's like, yeah. you can't say that. It, it's of the time, isn't yeah. it? And it's, in this day and age, it's not... Like, we look back and we go... You don't want to say, ah, it was a different that. time then. Because that's not... I hate that yeah. that reasoning behind anything. But um, the, the fact that they kept it up with the that version of the Doctor was... Mm. A little bit sexist in it. The men were the ones to do the right the, the thing and the women were the weaker ones. Uh, it kept that up yeah. when, when David Bradley brought it. So it was consistent, life. but it just seemed like when he came back and that happened, people were just quick to be like, he wasn't like that. He, he was. Yeah. Um, and one thing I noticed, because obviously I know how it, Susan's time with the, with the Doctor mm. ends. With oh, the it's, whole, a, it's an iconic scene. Though. The, one day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Um, in the first episode, he goes uh, talking about, because we don't find it's about it, it's Gallifrey yet, but talking about where they've come from yeah. very briefly. And he goes, uh, oh, one day we shall go back. Yeah, like, he has that and whole it came thing, full circle he? at that point with Susan. Uh-huh. Um, so after that, obviously, uh, moving on in the story wise, um, 
First Doctor locks Ian and Barbara in the TARDIS and then Ian tries to find the button to unlock the door and he won't let them go because now they know his secrets. Um, Barbara says she won't leave. That's really sinister again as well. <laughs> uh, Susan even says she won't leave the 20th century and would rather leave the TARDIS. Again, foreshadowing what happens mm-hmm. when she leaves. And that's when we hear the TARDIS noise for the first time. And it goes off on its little adventure. It's epic, that sound. Um, just like the theme tune, you, you know what it is when you mm. hear it. And um, yeah, we, we see the sort of weird, almost television staticky kind of thing that they do that makes the time vortex. Yeah. And then a really scared looking Susan's face. Even though she's loved traveled in the TARDIS many times before, she's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And everyone just looks like, it's just these weird, weird close-up shots of everyone reacting in just like the most odd ways. <laughs> it's, it's really odd faces. Mm. It's so funny. And and then the, the TARDIS lands and we sort of see on the screen that we've landed on a in a completely different place. And that's the end of episode one. Mm. As a shadow kind of approaches mm. over like the, the desert. It uh, was really cool. So then we go into the second episode of uh, the serial uh, called The Cave of Skulls. Uh, and obviously we meet the cavemen and women uh, and people. And um, it's... We, just quite, they're quite creepy. Apparently, I know we've got some facts coming up a bit later mm. on. Apparently, the uh, actors who were the cave people complained about getting um, flea bitten. Their, their costumes were flea ridden. I assume they were bought on the cheap. Icky. I mean, it is fur. It was probably real fur back then as well. Um, but yeah, the, the cavemen were, and women were pretty creepy. They're trying to make fire, and that's all we know about them at first. Then we cut back to Ian, who calls the Doctor, Doctor Foreman, because obviously Susan <laughs> Foreman, and the Doctor's like, Doctor Who? <laughs> like, Doctor Who? It's like, mm, it's so mm, funny. Mm, <laughs> and you know what the worst thing is? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's going to become a thing over Hartnell's era, isn't it? Just the, the Audrey noise. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yes, obviously, it's a, the TARDIS has travelled... Uh, for Ian and Barbara, it's the first time uh, they've travelled. They feel a bit disorientated, uh, trying to take on board what's happened. Uh, Ian's trying to find solid scientific explanations for what's happening as we go back to in the first episode. Uh, but Barbara kind of just is taking it all in a, at a better spa- uh, pace than him. Yeah, she's just loving it. She's just like, she's not even bothered. <laughs> she's the first out of the TARDIS yeah. and literally just accepts it. All she kind of looks around and she goes, well, she doesn't actually go, but it's like she might as well go, <laughs> just like carry on. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a brilliant, yeah, the brilliant bit when the doctor asks if she's mm. as stubborn as Ian and she just turns around and goes like, no. <laughs> Barbara so takes the no prisoners. It's a couple of times she said some really funny things and you're just like, oh, Honestly, Barbara, we're like, you go girl. <laughs> Barbara is just a queen. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and this is the first time we find out that the TARDIS should change. Mm. Uh, and Susan and the Doctor are really confused why the TARDIS hasn't changed to blend in with the environment. It still looks like the police phone box. Um, and obviously, we find out. Uh, I found out looking into this, the reason, obviously, was cost. Yeah. Um, they didn't want to have to build a brand new exterior for every episode because it would it need to fit sense. in with the time. Uh, and obviously, money was tight back then. And they did think about having it invisible ah, at some point. That would have worked. Which would have worked, but it would have been, a, I don't know, it's iconic, that box. Yeah. 
Um, it's, it's become iconic, I suppose, hasn't it? And I'm glad it has. We obviously don't know it's because of the chameleon circuit being broken yet. We don't know what that is. We just know it should have changed its appearance and it didn't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they kind of, the doctor's out and about exploring a bit and having a look around and he gets taken off by the cavemen. So Susan starts being a proper drama queen. She's freaking out and screaming and she just throws herself on the ground and it's just like, what? So then the cavemen have got the unconscious doctor surrounded and they believe that he can make fire come from his fingers because they saw him light a match outside. And then they start fighting over him. And Cal, who is, I think he's the, the bad caveman who wants to be leader. He is, was leader. Was it Zar who was the leader? Or was it Cal? I can't remember which ones are which. I felt a little bit confused by all the stuff going on. Yeah. I think both of them want to be leader and yeah. somebody else is a leader. So That'll be it. Anyway, one thing I just want to quickly mention as well is the first and only time the Doctor smoked. Yes. Uh, I at first... Me being doctor and know how quirky the doctor is, I turned to you and I said, "Oh, is he is he is he smoking the sand to work out the year? Because <laughs> you know, like thirteen when they're in um, uh, when you go to Norway, Norway, and she fjords. tastes some of the dirt, and she goes mm. uh, something about that. It's a, it's a gift alpaca shop and the alpaca farm with a gift shop, and it has a two star rating on TripAdvisor yeah. just from tasting the." The soil. I thought that's what was happening. No, he just wanted to light up a, his pipe and have a smoke. Yeah. And obviously he gets left there, so he never smokes again. <laughs> just very random. And probably best not to promote smoking with yeah. kids. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a whole weird scene where there's fighting and arguing with Ian, Barbara, and Susan runs in to save the doctor, who says he won't make the fire. And that, I think this was the point where I wasn't quite sure what was happening. <laughs> I think I was I was busy quite like making notes and things and like trying to do a lot of things at once and there was there was a lot going on and the different like the different cavemen and the different names and I was really there's confused. just a power struggle going on yeah. wasn't there and um and obviously they they want to know how to make fire and one obviously one in particular um Carl wants to know how to make fire because he wants to be the dominant one of mm. the pack of the pack of the tribe and um they just don't want to teach them it yet, but uh, they said they would teach them it if they let them go. Yeah. Um, and uh, we find them kidnapped because they won't tell them yet how to do fire. And they're put in a cave called the Cave of Skulls, the name of the episode. Yeah. And the weird witchy woman predicts, fire will kill us all in the end. <laughs> it's a bit strange. And then in the cave of skull, it literally is a cave full of skulls, which are apparently real skulls as well. And they've all been like caved in and it's yep. pretty gross. Well, they said skulls from the abattoir, but yeah, I, wouldn't they be... Probably animals. Animals, skulls, but they look human. The horse, there was a horse yeah. skull. That might be that one uh, earlier on, but they look like human skulls. But apparently there were some real skulls and they, the smell and the heat of the lights was <laughs> apparently horrendous. Grim. Uh, and that kind of wrapped up episode two. Yeah. And uh, we head into the third episode, uh, which takes us to a slightly different environment. Uh, it's the Forest of Fear. So just before we get into that, I think it's time to take a very, very quick break and talk about some of the latest Doctor Who news Ooh, yeah. that's come in. Because it's been a manic few weeks. Mm -hmm. A really good few weeks. Very exciting stuff. Uh, so we obviously, it a few weeks ago now, Found out who the next doc, well, who the new doctor's going to be. We exactly. don't know That's exactly the wording what is number. important here. <laughs> the wording is very important. Uh, Shuti Gatwa, 
from uh, the Netflix series uh, Sex Education has been announced as a new doctor. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we'll go we'll go with that word in because we'll come to more about it soon. We're not saying the fourteenth doctor. For reasons. Yeah. Uh, which is really exciting. Obviously, our first black doctor. Yeah, full time. If you don't count uh, Joe. Yeah. Um, the Ruth, the fugitive doctor. Joe Martin's doctor. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is really exciting. Uh, also, um, while she's not been public about their sexuality, they do play quite camp in sex education. Mm. Um whether that's going to come across into the portrayal of the Doctor or not. I mean, it's Russell T Davies. It's got to. Doctor Who is best when it's at its queerest, and that's Russell T Davies all over. I would love it if their BAFTA uh, outfit was their costume as well. Yes. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? He is a very, very nice looking man. Like, I'm a little bit in love. Because I think, like, when when it was announced, I was... I was like, oh, it's going to be Lydia West. It's going to be Lydia West. And I was so hyped and convinced it was going to be. And then it wasn't. I was like, oh, it's not Lydia West. And I realized who it was. And I was like, yes, (laughs) I love them. Like, yeah, I'm I'm here for it. And I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be really exciting. Yeah. Uh, But before all that happens, of course, we still got Jodie. Mm -hmm. uh, Jodie's final episode to go. Which looks like it's going to be a really big one because it's celebrating not just the end of Jodie's era, not just the beginning of the 60th anniversary, which is going to start the year after, but also a hundred years of the BBC. So it's allegedly going to have Ace. Well, we know Ace and T are going to be in it, but apparently there's going to be a lot more like a yeah. lot of secret guests. Well, we, there's apparently going to be a scene in which they have past companions mm. have a telephone support group. Including so William Russell. Yeah. Ian. Ian's coming back. Yeah. Um, which is really exciting. Uh, nice. They've always been had these characters mentioned at times. And mm. you mentioned in Sarah Jane Adventures and things like that. So to have them returning uh, to play a part in actual Doctor Who is really, really cool. Uh, but I suppose the biggest, most exciting highlight of news of recent weeks has got to be the fact that David Tennant and Catherine Tate are returning for the 60th anniversary. I have to admit, I cried. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of David Tennant's Doctor, and everyone always kicks off me. You, you like so him, many. but he's I not like your him. favourite Doctor yeah. Review Who. Yeah, like, I like him, and I I always say season four is my favourite series of New Who, just because Ten and Donna is the perfect, perfect It works match. well together, doesn't it? Like... Yeah, I have other favourite Doctors, but them two together and that series is the absolute undeniable golden age of New Who. Yeah. So for them to come back, I was I was an emotional wreck, to say the <laughs> least. And then after that, we got the announcement that Yasmin Finney, who was L in um, Heartstopper, is going to be in it as well as a character called Rose. Luckily, loads of fans were very very clever and straight away said this is going to be donna's daughter yeah rather than an alternative rose tyler and it looks like we've been right yeah from the filming yes so obviously the firstly there was footage of david and uh catherine on set uh very quickly mentioned the fact that david's costume is completely different mm-hmm. uh it's a checkered suit which we've never seen it's always been a pinstripe suit and it's a bit like tartan yeah and the is coat is the exact same shape shape and style but it's uh, like a navy blue he's always ever worn a brown one so to us it either suggests that it's an alternate universe doctor or 
the 14th Doctor. Mm-hmm. Which, that face has been very, very greedy when it comes to regeneration. Yeah, it'll be its third so. time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll come back to that again in a minute as well. But um, yeah, talking about filming, we've also seen Jacqueline King back as Sylvia, mm-hmm. um, Donna's mum. Um, Bernard Cribbins is back again as Wilf, which is really exciting because bless him, he's in his 90s and there's just clips of David Tennant pushing him around in a wheelchair like into the TARDIS and I'm like, yes! Uh, some people have also said if um, if he goes on the TARDIS in that wheelchair, then it means a lot because it's probably the first wheelchair user to be in the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. So that could open the doors for a wheelchair user to be a companion or anything. Like, make the TARDIS more accessible. Give it a ramp. <laughs> Um, so it's all exciting. All the footage from filming is looking really cool. And uh, we just can't wait. Oh, yes. Yasmin was there as well, wasn't she? As Rose, Donna's daughter, and Donna's husband, Sean, yes. has been seen too. Mm-hmm. So the whole family's oh, there. Oh, Rachel Talele seen on set. Uh-huh. Directing. Uh, but she's that... not directing. But she's directing. Yeah. But she's not directing. And there's also rumours going around that Freema is going to be back. <gasps> With Unit. Mm. Because Unit are back as well in... Really cool costumes. Yeah. And some very, very handsome men. (laughs) (laughs) We can't help but notice. (laughs) So so there you are. There's the latest from Doctor Who News. Obviously we'll we'll keep you up to date every week with uh, with new things when it happens. Uh, but now let's get back to our uh, retelling of the uh, of an unearthly child serial with episode three. So it, it opens on the heroes still trapped, and then a bunch of cavemen are sleeping, but they all look dead but they're not. And then the scary witchy woman picks up a knife off a caveman. She looks sinisterly at the camera and it, it you kind of get the feeling she's going to kill someone. Mm. But who? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, the, 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 the woman finds the group, tells them that to uh, leave uh, without making fire because, oh yeah, she, she wants to rescue them. Yeah. So she's going to cut their uh, bindings, I think. Yeah. Uh, wants them to leave uh, because the fire will bring them death. She she thinks well, they're better off without it. Fire will kill us all in the end. <laughs> um, and um, I think it's Zar goes to find them because yeah, they want to know the fire. The nicer one. Make fire uh, along with a, 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 a fellow cave woman. And um, the. Obviously, the witchy woman helps them escape beforehand. Uh, and they end up in this forest. There's some nice scenes of uh, of Barbara finally freaking out a bit. Uh, she's starting to kind yeah. of... She realizes her life's in danger now uh, with these cavemen. Uh, cave people are not the nicest. Uh, and there's a nice bit with her and Ian. And obviously, I said to you, oh, are they, are they a couple? Or, mm. Apparently, their relationship was going to be a lot more overtly romantic. Yeah. But they toned it down. I quite like that it isn't because it, it it's feels suggestive. so much more subtle. Yeah. And I feel like it feels more like a journey for them. It feels like they're not a couple yet, but they, they could be a They've couple. They've always maybe fancied each other yeah. at school. And, yeah. It's really cute. And Ian obviously just protects Barbara. He protects them all. Yeah. I obviously feel, I suppose as Susan's teacher, he feels mm. that obligation. And probably to what he thinks is just an old man. Yeah, he feels that protection to to them all, uh, so he kind of becomes like this, maybe not wi- not necessarily willing, but the leader of the group to yeah. to protect them all. He's the one who's normally first to say, "I'll do that," or "You stay here. I'll go. Uh, you go ahead. I'll stay here and distract them or whatever." Mm. Um, so, uh, kind of nice to see that from the beginning. I assume it's probably going to. Uh, evolve as we go through the episodes as well yeah um so obviously after that moment with ian barbara's kind of doing okay 
And then she falls over and finds a warthog, a warthog head. So that might be the real one. But then we don't have warthogs in England. Uh, that looks in plastic, to yeah. be fair. And then obviously that alerts the cave people to their location, so they have to hide. And Barbara just had been doing so well and then went from being strong and sassy to a screaming victim. Like, just like that. And then, obviously, she goes back to being strong and sassy later on, but has a moment of being the screaming victim. Um, so, yeah, it's this big moment <laughs> where it just flips. Then one of the cavemen is hurt by the creature that had killed the boar. And Ian and Barbara end up going to help. And they're followed by Susan and a reluctant doctor. And then suddenly Barbara's okay again. And she's like, oh, he's a human being. And then everything's fine. <laughs> it's so funny. Um so yeah, that happens. Uh, yeah, we obviously learn that the the doctor is not a real doctor because uh, there's some injury. The, the injury takes place, and um, and they're like, "You're a doctor, help me!" Oh, I'm not, I'm not a real doctor. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the, he doesn't really want to help. I, this comes back to what I said earlier mm. on. The doctor is very self preservation, self preserving. Yeah, uh, only cares really about himself and Susan to a degree. Um, and it's basically an opportunity to get away and just leave people to, to get, resolve it themselves is the case. But we now know, obviously, knew who the doctor wants to save everybody and, yeah. s- and save everything. Um, whether that's just ego over time, who knows? Um, but yeah, there's, it's quite dark. Yeah. Uh, it's quite graphic. There's, uh, what Obviously, in black and white, it's different. It, but loads of bl- what obviously is meant to look like blood. I think um, the black and white makes it worse because it's got that lack of color, so you ca- your mind kind mm. of fills in the blanks. And I mean, the blood's bad enough. We're going to get to uh, what happens in the next episode. Oh, Mary Whitehouse would have <laughs> freaked out. But I'm surprised Mary Whitehouse wasn't on a mission over that. Like from that first episode. Wow. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk more about Mary Whitehouse as we go on. She was the woman who was very against Doctor Who in the seventies and caused mm. a lot of problems. Because yeah. she was she was against a lot of programs actually, but yeah, more on her when we get towards the seventies era. Yeah. So very quickly, this episode sort of wraps up with um, the cavemen finding the uh, witchy woman uh, to be dead, and they mm. need to work out who it was. Uh, and they all, Cal kind of leads everybody to believe that it's um, Czar, and uh, in an, again in a power play attempt to want to become the leader of the the group. Uh, so they go and try and hunt them down and uh, and get them all back to the to the cave in the camp, uh, and which leads us on to the final episode in the uh, serial, which is called the Firemaker. Yeah, so it felt like quite a long journey to get here. <laughs> And um, it starts off, obviously, with repeating what happened at the end of the last episode where the Doctor and everyone had run back to the TARDIS and the cavemen popped up with the spears and were going to get them all. Um, Obviously, he turns around and says that he has a better knife than Cal, and Cal disagrees. And eventually, the Doctor tricks him to show his knife, which then has all the blood on it, and he proves that he killed the old woman. And the Doctor tells the cavemen that their current leader is obviously bad because he's killed her, and then... All of a sudden, he's all like, drive him out. And they gang up on him. They start throwing stones at him. Uh-huh. Like straight away, like the doctor very, very rarely loses it on people in New Who, particularly. But like there, he's just straight away. It's just but like, well, he's he bad. Get him out. He almost didn't even lose it on him. And it wasn't, yeah, I don't think it, it was, was very because casual. it was bad. He was a bad person. I think he just thought this is an opportunity to distract and get him. Mm. Like, do you know, what? I didn't, that's, that's the vibe that I got. It was like, uh, 
look, look, he's the bad, like, try and take the guilt off them. They, yeah. they didn't do anything wrong. Um, and he almost, like, felt like he stirred the pot. Mm. Um, maybe I'm reading into it. Because he's a grumpy man, maybe I'm reading into it that way. Yeah. Rather than uh, trying to be bringing justice, the, the right, uh, you know, you know what I'm like. I know what you mean. Um, so anyway... That all resolves. Uh, they work out obviously he's the bad guy, uh, and they drive him out of um, of uh, of the camp of the tribe. Uh, and we go back to the cave of skulls, uh, and Zar decides that he has to make fire so that he can obviously lead the uh, lead the tribe. And uh, the doctor and his gang must die. Yeah. If they don't teach him how to make the fire. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you need to, need to teach him how to do it. Um, and he starts to learn that nobody should basically Ian starts to say, um, something along the lines of, um, the fire, they all say that the fire maker is the least important person in our mm. community. And he's like, why they know how to make fire? Cause no, but everybody knows how to make fire. Yeah. So you share the knowledge and not have this one person who's the power who has, mm. has all the power and all the knowledge and I am irreplaceable because I've got this information and this, I know how to do this thing. So they obviously end up teaching Zar how to make the fire and there was just no health and safety. <laughs> how I close? thought his hair was going to set on fire. He was so close to the flame. He was well into his part though. I'll give him that. Like he was down on all fours, right facing that fire. Like, like he was mesmerized by it. Like he'd never seen it in his life. It was... That was 110% acting there. I'll give him that, definitely. Uh, and um, then we get the the moment, the action, which I think went on for a bit too long. Yeah. Uh, Carl comes back, uh, obviously knows that they're going to be they're making the fire and, and sees that Zar knows it and he's like, you can't know this, I've got to know this, essentially. And they have a big fight. Uh, kicking around in the sand, jumping on top of each other. Uh, Violence. Uh, a little bit frisky. <laughs> it was very homoerotic, to be fair. And it all culminates with Carl being defeated and having his head bashed in with a massive rock. <laughs> I mean, you don't see Honestly. you don't see it, but you see that going down on yeah, top. Yeah, and of... then the cutaway to Barbara just going, <gasps> like, honestly, I was very surprised. Again. Mary Whitehouse would have had a field day on that. <laughs> just just dangerous. Just terrible. Awful. Um, but in the end, fire is is shared with the tribe. Um, uh, the, obviously, the cameras at the time, the film, didn't seem to like the, the extreme heat. Mm. Uh, it looked almost like gamma. You know, gamma ray. Yeah, because at first when you, you you said about it, I thought, oh, maybe it's just like the tip of the torch. Because you'd missed it the first and time. And I'd missed it and then it did it again. And it was literally like the whole flame almost went black. Jack black. It, yeah. was, it was weird. Um, but obviously that's just to do with the technology at the time. It was very, very basic. And I, I think this, the camera lens couldn't quite pick up the, the sheer brightness. It, it inverted mm. it essentially. Um, so... Uh, You'd think it you'd, would be over. This was, apparently this was meant to be the point where the tribe let them go. Yeah. Uh, they said, instead decided that they needed to stay because obviously they know how to do fire uh, and, and they'll be able to, to keep helping them make fire. And they've 
obviously got they must have thought as well they must have some sort of special knowledge of various things so mm. like and other things that could help them yeah so they get kept prisoner because well, Zar wants them as allies yeah Zar was like your tribe and my tribe can join together and he's like we, and they're all like we don't want to be here we don't want to stay here we want to yeah. go we've got our own place to be um so they're trying to work out how they're going to get away susan has this bright idea Haha, <laughs> see what I did there. Uh, of uh, utilizing the lovely skulls in the sc- uh, cave of skulls uh, and lighting some torches and sticking a skull on top. So it looks almost like a kind of demon. Mm. And they put four of them in the ground, hide in the corner. The cavemen come in and they think, oh, there's a demon. or They're all dying or something. Gives them time to escape. They eventually realize once one of the skulls falls over that they are not <laughs> real and they've been tricked with fire. Yeah, and uh, they chase after them. But while they're running, <laughs> this bit we were we were cackling. Um, Barbara falls over, and the doctor, and <laughs> yeah. Susan, the doctor and Susan practically stand on her. And then it's up to Ian to stop and go. Oh, actually, we should pick her up. Yeah, <laughs> so which Ian again saves her. shows the lack of humanity. I think the doctor currently mm. has at this point in his life. Um, but even Susan, for someone yeah. who you think loves the humans. Uh, and loves the history of humanity and all of that sort of stuff. For them both just to run over, yeah, uh, and and Ian have to be the one to to do the human thing. Oh, so funny though. Um, so yeah, um, they get back eventually, and they're chased by the cavemen with the fire. They just get back into the TARDIS, and we get the funniest line in the episode, uh, probably in Doctor Who history, one well, of the funniest lines. It's not funny unless you've got a filthy it's mind. It's funny. Yes. <laughs> Come on, Doctor, get us off. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, I've got a feeling that's going to become a recurring joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the Doctor tries to send the TARDIS off uh, and uh, exclaims that it's not working properly because they're trying to get back to their time. And yeah, the, back to the 20th century. Uh, Ian and Barbara want to go home. Uh, the TARDIS ends up landing in a, a, a different style of mysterious-looking forest. And... Uh, the doctor asks Susan to read the radiation level and she goes, it's normal. And as they walk off, what happens? The radiation dial goes up Ooh. to danger and starts flashing. And that's the end mm. of an Unearthly Child serial. Which also had many, many other names. It, it did. did. It was known as the Firemakers, as 100,000 BC. Um, the Cavemen. The, cave the Tribe of Gum. Yeah, even though Gum was never mentioned on screen. Yeah, I think Carl was originally written in the scripts in early drafts uh, as being called gum, uh, gum. Yeah. So that's where that came from. Uh, a couple of other, other a couple of other little interesting facts for you uh, is that um, apparently Susan was originally going to be called Bridget or Biddy for short. Uh, very of the time name, isn't it? I quite like that. Yeah. Uh, Barbara was going to be called Lola McGovern. I love that as well. And Ian was going to be Cliff. I assume Cliff Chesterton. Mm. Uh, I also love that. So, yeah. They were such cool names. And here's another one for you. Two more things Susan related for you. First off, Susan's hairstyle was designed by Vidal Sassoon. We can't get much cooler than that. And, well, you can when I tell you this. Mm. Uh, In the forest, all the the, uh, plants that they brought in for the forest were real. And a lizard accidentally came on set. <laughs> I don't know how, but it did. Uh, and Carol Ann Ford took it home and kept it as a pet. Amazing. 
guess you just find a pet at work and keep it. Yeah. So there you are. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. That is our very first That's So Gallifrey. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. You can find us on social medias uh, at That So Gallifrey. Fortunately, it was one letter too much. Oh, so close. Uh, we will, of course, be back next week for another dive into the world of Doctor Who uh, as we look at uh, episode two. Well, story number two, Dalek. Uh, I've been Marcus. And I've been Simon. Together we're known as the Geeky Gaze as well. You might want to check us out on social media there. Uh, but thank you very much for tuning in. And we'll speak to you next time. <laughs>